welcome to another edition of the Unicorns podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. My guest today on the Unicorns podcast is Kevin Bush, Managing Director of Grass-Fed Milk, a business specializing in baby milk formula. Certainly a hot topic in the news and always of interest to our listeners. Kevin Bush, welcome to the Unicorns. Thanks, Justin, and uh, pleasure to be part of the podcast. So the baby infant formula market, what is that worth in Australia? At the moment in Australia, it's worth probably close to uh, a billion dollars. Um, a lot of that, though, however, goes overseas to China and other countries through uh, export. Uh, and globally, we're looking at around probably around $50 billion uh, globally for infant formula. $50 billion. $50 billion. It's a big number. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of big players involved when you get to those sort of numbers. Mm. And also the, the technology, the, the development, the, the safety and the food uh, quality aspect is very important. Um, so there's a lot of money in, in the industry uh, to make sure we everyone makes a high quality product for, for, for newborn babies and toddlers. And how was it that you became involved in the industry? Um, I sort of came into it by default. It's, it wasn't one of my aspirations to be selling uh, <laughs> and marketing infant formula. Um, it, it actually happened uh, back at the last uh, the global financial crisis. I was previously a C CEO of Sydney Attractions Group, a, a publicly listed company running Sydney Aquarium and Sydney Wildlife World, Sydney Tower, yes. uh, Manly yeah. Ocean World. Um, so very different. Um, we got taken over by Village Roadshow. Um, yes. Obviously, as the CEO, I was the first to go. Um, and then through a co contact. Yeah. First out the door. <laughs> first out the door. Um, last in, first out. So it, it happened, uh, as I said, January 2009, actually on my birthday. So that's a whole different story. Um, so a friend of mine uh, on the Darling Harbour Business Association said Danon was looking for a finance director just, just for a three-month contract. So I thought, oh, okay, yep. let's go back and, and give it a go. Comment. Why not? Yeah, yeah, give it a go. Why not? Um, and then the rest is history. Like the company, like what we were trying to do, like the aspect uh, around health and nutrition for in early life, um, and put my hand up to stay, and ended up staying with Danon uh, for ten years, working in Australia, and also had five or six years working as general manager in China and Hong Kong um, before moving back uh, to this role as managing director of Munchkin Grassfed. Uh, back in Sydney at the beginning of 2019. Was that a hard leap to go from, say, um, you know, entertainment into infant formula? Um, yes and no. And I think if you look at that, before entertainment, I was a, a chartered accountant. Um, okay. so some people yep. saying going from the chartered accountant to anything is a leap. Um, <laughs> so it's... Uh, uh, my, my career, and I've had this question often, it's very diverse when you look at it from chartered accountancy, having my own practice when I was 26 uh, into entertainment for three and a half years and into formula. Um, it's, for me, it's all about the people and, and it's all about the brand that you're representing at the time, whether it's yourself as a professional services partner, whether mm -hmm. it's the tourist attractions and the animals and, and what we're trying to do there, or now whether it's a product. Um, it's around how you relate to people, how you understand what, what we're trying to do and how you put that into a very clear, articulate vision 
for the business and then working with people to make it happen, whether it's individuals or teams. And I think that's the part I don't find difficult. Obviously, there's a learning within each industry. Every industry has have their own uh, mm, acronyms course, and, yeah. and words and, and nuances that you have to learn. Um, but that's learnable. And if you're willing to, if you're willing to be humble and just listen and ask questions and, and not know everything, um, it, it's easy to pick up. People are willing to help you. People are willing to teach you and, and to make you a better person. And, and that's what I found throughout the last 30 years of my career. So how did you go about trying to upskill on baby formula? Because I can imagine that's, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to try to get your head around. No, it's, it's, and I still don't know it all. Um, and I think that's one thing for, for, for whoever you are, you, 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 you're never going to know it all. You're never going to be the expert um, or very few people are going to be the expert. Yeah. So I think it's a matter of always surrounding yourself with good quality people who, who complement your, your lack of technical knowledge or lack of uh, commercial knowledge or whatever your, your deficiency is, finding those people who yeah. are the experts to help you become, run the business. So for me, I've, I mean, obviously I've got a very strong background in finance operations and sales. Um, for me, the technical side of things, I've got, I've had very good people around me from the product development, from supply chain, um, from research, who've helped me build uh, the brand and create that uh, awareness of the brand over a long period of time in Infant Formula when I was in Danon. Is Infant Formula a very competitive industry? S- super competitive, super competitive. I think... When I started in Australia, so it was 2009, um, the, the, the market size of infant formula was around $200 million. Uh, and as I said before, mm. it's now a billion dollars. So what happened, the, the major event that happened was the Chinese had this, what they called the melamine crisis back in uh, November 2008, where some Chinese manufacturers took some shortcuts and a lot of babies died and got sick. So they then went to look at, we need to buy product from overseas where's the best place to buy it? And it was New Zealand at the time. And that's where okay. this whole yep. export and diagu market we all talk about yes. uh, started actually with CarryCare out of New Zealand. So I was one of the first ones to, to establish the diagu network in Australia uh, many, many years ago. Um, so, and, and again, that brings with it a whole, whole lot of different challenges. Um, but it's mostly dominated by big multinationals. You've got uh, Danone, of course, where I used to work with. You've got Nestle, you've got Wyeth, you've got Abbott, you've got Mead Johnson. Um, and then in Australia, we've seen uh, the likes of A2 Milk and Bellamy's uh, yes. in the last seven or eight years uh, come along. So um, people people don't really understand, or cut that a little bit out. What people don't understand or don't realise, sorry, what people don't realise is A2 milk infant formula didn't exist uh, nine years ago. So it's a brand new, brand new formula that came in the market at the right time with some great, uh, a great consumer proposition that works really well. Um, so they've created a, a multi-billion-dollar industry company within the last ten years. I just want to pick up on one of the points you mentioned in that answer about the the Digown network. So mm-hmm. you were one of the first to to see that market opportunity, were you? It, it it was whether I saw it first or took advantage of it first. Probably took advantage of it first because we because when the export to China started happening through these indirect channels, as we called them, 
Um, it was pre predominantly our brand. So we had sort of 80, 90% of the export going in out of Australia off the retail shelf into, into China through these indirect channels that were all a mystery back then. Um, so one of two of my customers, because I was sales director at the time, um, mm. two of my pharmacists, um, uh, customers were facilitating that trade, buying their sales for a, a suburban pharmacist went from uh, sort of $50,000 a year to millions of dollars uh, a month. Um, so obviously I was quite intrigued about what, what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Please explain. Because <laughs> I knew there wasn't a baby boom in these suburbs, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So I really sat down with them and, and, and started to understand what they were doing and how they were collecting the product, um, selling it to Chinese uh, students who were then on selling it, selling it to Chinese tourists, and how they also started to develop their own channels back into, into China. Um, so one of, the, one of the struggles we had as a company back then was obviously it was great and our sales were sort of doubling almost month on month, but our supply chain and our uh, pr uh, production, we needed three or four months lead time to make from the time we placed an order to the time we got the finished product. Yeah. So obviously we had to um, forecast against something uh, uh, and we didn't understand what was happening. So a lot of times uh, I spent talking to these guys and basically formalising a relationship with them that wasn't as a pharmacist but more as a what I call a wholesaler and distributor yeah. into that indirect market into China. So when we see, give us a sense of, uh, or just try to make sense for us, mm -hmm. when we see pictures in the news, vision on the news of people with shopping trolleys full of baby formula, what is actually going on there? What, and this is, this is why I always break it down. I always break it down to, you got, that's an output. What's, what's the root, what's causing that to happen? And what's causing that to happen? And it's mums in China can't, are worried about the quality of the product they get in China. So that's the root cause. The, lo the local product. The local product, any product. Yeah. I mean, we all are concerned about food safety and quality these days. Um, in China, it, it's, it's one of their top three fears. Um, so that's what's causing it. So when you see people over here, they're fulfilling a need uh, it, and to, to meet that demand from Chinese mums. Now, how they go about it here, Obviously, we see the footage of fighting, and we saw it over toilet paper as well. Yes. Um, so yeah. it's not it's not as unique as what it used to be. Unfortunately, it's for me it's the bad part of human nature um, when when self interest comes first and money comes first. Um, you sometimes get these things, but the underlying problem is the lack uh, the lack of confidence the Chinese consumers had. It's getting better, but what they had in the, in the Chinese uh, food safety and quality program. So when, when these people walk out of the shops with a trolley full of formula, what do they do then? Put it in suitcases or take it home? Are they shipping it home? How do they get it back to China? Um, there's, you, you probably covered all, all, all of those and, and above. Um, they either ship it themselves, uh, they put it in suitcases, they've got family and friends, they could be a Chinese tourist who've come in for their holiday, buying some product and taking it back. It could be Chinese students who are living and working here. Because um, you've got to remember also, there's also a, a financial benefit in doing this as well. Um, the average price in Australia of formulas around $30. They 
they yep. can sell that in China for, for in, in the peak. Um, it's come off a little bit at the moment, but in the peak, they could sell that for sixty or sixty-five dollars. Um, mm. Less less the cost of air freighting two tins is a couple of dollars. So there's there's a healthy margin in that uh, and financial uh, incentive for them to do it as well. Have the rules changed, Kevin, around getting that product uh, via those methods uh, back into China? Have the, have the rules changed now? The rules have been changing over the last 10 years. Um, it is becoming tougher. Uh, China has what they call a two-tin limit coming into the country. Um, so you can't come with it with a suitcase full anymore. It's only two tins. Um, okay. When yeah. I lived in Hong Kong, they had a two-tin limit of what you could take out of Hong Kong. Um, and the other, the other part of this that, that's helped created this boom, uh, so to speak, for formula and also for vitamins with Blackmores and Swiss and, and everybody else, is at the time this all started, if you, you know, I'd always go back to pure economics, it's supply and demand, um, but you still need to facilitate the meeting of those supply and demand. So uh, New Zealand and Australia had this great reputation for, for purity and quality. Um, so we had the supply. The Chinese obviously had the demand because they were looking for it. Yeah. Um, but this was the start of the e-commerce giants back in, in China back in 2009. So you had uh, Alibaba and um, uh, WeChat and, and Jingdong all, all just starting to, to create some momentum. So that obviously made it a lot easier for people uh, here in Australia to set up a store on Taobao. Uh, and to facilitate the selling of their, that product in, in China. Um, so all they had to do was get the product there. Um, once it's there, then, then Taobao and Alibaba and, and, and the group uh, took care of the rest. So you really saw the emergence of e-commerce facilitating um, uh, the supply and the demand. And again, we're seeing it now through, through COVID. You're seeing Amazon and Ebays and Gumtrees and all those online platforms. Kogan is another one. Uh, really uh, exponentially growing their their online e-commerce sales. So let's talk about COVID and the headaches that that has caused for uh, the global economy. Um, so for, for your business, what are some of the challenges uh, with essentially international borders closed? What has that meant for how you run your business? Um, there's two parts. Two parts I always focus on on the business um, in infant formula specifically. One is always the first priority is local mums. Whether it, whether I lived in worked in Hong Kong, it was about Hong Kong mums. In China, obviously, it was easy because it was about China, uh, Australia. It's about Australian New Zealand mums. If you look after them, that's your first priority. So mm -hmm. that part that part of our business is going really well. Um, we're growing 20% year on year. Um, which for a small brand is phenomenal, especially when you look like we're competing against the A2s and the Danons and, and these guys and Bellamy's who have got <laughs> millions of dollars in terms of deep pockets. Uh, very deep pockets. Um, so they're either publicly listed or global multinational. So to, to, to create this niche, which is where I position the brand, uh, we're doing fantastically well on domestic. Unfortunately, we also do know that there's a China part to the business, both directly and indirectly through export. That part, since COVID, has basically stopped. Um, the, the example I use is we used to have sort of 1.2 million Chinese visitors a year into Australia and about a, a quarter of a million Chinese students who used to always yeah. buy formula on their visit. That's, yeah. now, that's now zero. 
Um, mm. So that part of our business has been uh, severely impacted. And we've seen the reporting um, from uh, Bubs and A2 in recent weeks. They've also, as you can expect, where it's probably close to 80% of their business goes to China um, out of Australia has been severely impacted as well. Mm. Well, obviously, with everyone in, in lockdown, it's a time for reinvention and innovation. What have you done uh, as the MD to uh, innovate the business and make it more relevant locally? The, the main part for me, we've got, there's two parts. One is our product and, and the lead time on any innovation in product development, testing, quality assurance is about two to three years. So we, we, we can't just do it. Uh, it's like a COVID vaccine. <laughs> it's like a COVID vaccine, yeah. So there's no quick fix if you've got your, your product wrong in, in infant formula. Um, what you what we have to be innovative around is our is our route to market and also our uh, how we communicate and, and connect with Australian mums. Okay. Um, so what? Yep. So what? What? And I've talked about this before. So I've I've been heavily focused on that. Um, I'm a big believer. If you get that right, the rest will follow. And what we've focused on is really just understanding what mums are looking for and again it, it comes back to what we call what i call consumer insights and, and it's the same whether it's professional practice whether it's attractions entertainment what are people looking for and a lot of marketeers these days are what i call very good brand marketeers they talk about what the brand means to the company they don't yeah. listen and take the time to understand what the brand means to the mum now, it's a bit of a nuance, um, and I used to always, a uh, very visual representation, I used to always have two uh, Heinz ketchup bottles in my, in my office. One was the traditional glass standing upright, the one where you took the lid off and you just have to hit the bottom of it to, to get the product out. Um, the other one was the plastic squeezable one that stood upside mm -hmm. down on the shelf. Yep. You know it's Heinz, you know it's Kraft, you know it's Catchit, but the packaging reflected what the consumer need was on the plastic version. I can mm. I can just imagine the marketeers saying, or someone saying to the marketeers, oh, we want to turn the bottle upside down on the shelf and sit it on its lid. Um, <laughs> the, the, the conversations around that would have been fascinating, but that is consumer it works. It works. Yeah. That's what the consumer wanted. The yes. brand, the glass one, is is from a company point of view. So what we've what I've done with Munchkin is really get back to there's a huge push in the last three or four years around nature, um, getting back to products that are clean and healthy and pure, and not having all the added stuff. So 100% uh, yep. grass fed was developed as the name suggested. Is we only fit, feed our cows grass. Um, so there's no grain at all. So there's been a lot of research in the last two or three years coming up that's showing grass-fed is better uh, than grain-fed. And we know that when we talk about our steaks and our beef and things like that. So it's a natural progression into milk. Um, we don't have palm oil. Um, we're, one of the, we're one of only two brands uh, in Australia that doesn't have palm oil in the product because it's a sustainability piece that I'm, I'm passionate mm -hmm. about as well to yeah. make sure... It's not just what we do, but what we leave behind in terms of our footprint. Now, dairy farming's by, by far not the most ideal uh, industry in terms of its overall footprint, but if yeah. we can make yeah. some small changes 
and communicate that to mums uh, and, and that makes a difference. Uh, we don't have growth hormones. We don't have uh, additives into our, into our products. So our messaging is really been around that pure, natural, what we're free from makes us better and then activating that through digital. Um, when you're trying to compete against big boys with big pockets, um, digital is, is the perfect example on how to do that. Social media is relatively cheap. You've got to be hands-on, but it, yeah. it, it, you can be very targeted and very specific in getting your message to the people uh, at the right time. So I suppose the proof is in the pudding uh, and the mums, I suppose, are the ultimate judges here. What do they think of the product? What, what I'm really proud of is our mums love our product. Um, we are the most recommended brand on productreview.com.au. Um, so even though our market share is less than 1%, we have more reviews and are the most highly recommended brand of all of our competitors in Australia, uh, which is a phenomenal result. So um, we, we've, I've got so many stories of mums uh, on our Facebook page talking to other mums and connecting and, and helping each other and recommending uh, not only just our brand, but also uh, talking about how to help kids with colic or reflux or constipation and talking about their experience. Um, happy, one, happy babies, right? Happy happy babies, happy mums, happy dads. It's mm, surprising. Yes. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that surprised me um, is the amount of dads who are now, I'm a bit older, so um, a bit more, much more actively engaged in, in the process of feeding and, and recommending our brand and talking about our products. Um, our, our digital uh, marketing is almost 40% males and 60% females. Mm, um, that's interesting. Was, yeah, it was a big surprise to myself. So there's a, there's a lot more. Uh, I don't know if it was always there. I mean, I was obviously, well, depends if you talk to my wife. I think I was very hands-on. Um, mm. But, yeah, it, it's definitely coming through these days. And I think that's, that's, the, that's important um, from a family point of view, but also from a brand point of view. If you've got that full engagement of everyone, um, it makes it easier for them to recommend and, and feel, uh, trust you to look after their, their, their newborn baby in some cases, which is, which is a, it's, it comes with a lot of pressure, uh, infant yeah. formula. And, and do customers tend to switch around or switch brands as they go on the journey or is it more like, no, I've, I've got my brand. That's it. I'm not changing. Pretty much. Once you find a brand that works for your baby, you don't change. Um, it's, it's, it's not something that's shopped around or swapped because it's on promotion. Um, you've got it. It works. Your baby's growing. It's sleeping. It's pooing properly. You don't change a winning formula. Um, mm. and, and one of the things that, that, uh, I, I pride myself on is there's been a couple of cases where for whatever reason our brand hasn't worked for a specific uh, baby um, and I've, I've proactively recommended them obviously see a healthcare professional but to switch to yeah. other brands yeah. to find one that works and the mum's feedback is just one of relief of not being made to feel, be, feel guilty about changing brands because there's so many times, I mean, having a baby is the biggest life-changing experience you have. Um, and then a lot of people put pressure on you to breastfeed, not breastfeed, don't do it in public, don't do this, do this, do that. 
Mums just need support and whatever choice they make is the right choice. And I feel that's part of why our brand is doing so well. We're there to support them. Now, if it's on a different brand, that's okay. I don't care if, if they go to a, diff, a competitor. If it's the right thing for them, mm. that's perfect. Um, and that that is a surprise to mums when they get that uh, response back from our team. Is that you mentioned guilt before? Is there still a, a stigma in the market, as, as far as you're aware, as um, breastfeeding the bottle-fed babies? There's still a lot. There's still a lot. Um, it's. I, I normally get on my high horse now. Um, oh, please do. <laughs> jump away. I, jump away. Um, as I said, it's. It's a, it's a difficult time. It's it's a biggest life changing time. Um, uh, we had an experience with my son that wasn't it wasn't wasn't the end of the world, but it wasn't ideal. And we were listening to professionals at the time and said you must keep breastfeeding, you must keep breastfeeding, and it wasn't the right uh, wasn't the right thing for us to do because um, of a few things I can't go into. Um, and my son got not sick, but he 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 got sick because of it. Um, if I knew now, then I would have gone on to bottle much, much earlier for my son. Um, mm. But the pressure we got not to ended up making him sick. And I think this is wow. where I get, I really do understand the uh, over-aggressive marketing of the big companies globally uh, around breastfeeding. And you shouldn't, breastfeeding is the best thing. I 100% agree with that. But there are times when mums can't or whether it's financial, whether it's health, um, uh, they're the main two. They shouldn't be made to feel guilty for not breastfeeding. They should mm. be there and supported in whatever their decision is. Um, but it, it, it's still a stigma. Uh, there's still a lot of people who are, who are passionate about if you don't breastfeed, you're a bad mother and you're not doing the right thing for your child, which it, that's terrible. Sure. It's terrible. And that pressure on a mum, and she feels bad enough anyway. Every mum wants to breastfeed. They, mm. they, they all know it's the best. So it's, I can't imagine uh, what they I, – I, I've only seen it through my wife's uh, point of view. Mm. They know that when they stop breastfeeding, it's the wrong thing to do. They know that. So they don't need people telling them to make them feel even more guilty about it. Mm. So that's, that's where I, I believe, as I touched on before, You've got to be supportive of the mum. It's it's the right thing to do for them and support them in whichever choice they make. Now, where can I buy your product? Where is it available? So we're we're available uh, Coles, Woolworths, Chemist Warehouse. Uh, we also set up uh, our own online store at the start yep. of COVID. Um, yep. One of the things, one of the benefits of being small is you don't have to go through a lot of, you can get things done quickly. So we had an online store set up in uh, five days um, from start to finish. Mm. Now, we, we, we did it and it was very effective. Um, and now close to 15% of our sales come through online, uh, out directly through our online store. There you um, go. So it, it was good. So we're available uh, in all the big retailers. And it's, it's made in New Zealand, I understand. Yep, made in New Zealand, um, down in the, down uh, just outside of uh, Christchurch. Um, beautiful part of the world. Lots of green grass, right amount of rain. So, mm. and again, it's it's very 
when you get into the nuances of dairy farming, there's very few places that can support 100% grass-fed. Um, you've got to have the right climate and the weather conditions uh, for the grass to grow. It can't be too wet. Um, otherwise, the fields turn into to mud and the cows can't eat the grass. So it is, it is a very unique um, part of the world to be able to support that. Um, and again, I think you'll see when you look at the recommendations from mums on our website, our product works very well in terms of keeping the baby's tummy, what, what I call happy tummy. So it, it helps with their digestion. It helps uh, support and reduce colic and reflux um, from what the mums are telling us on, on productreview.com. Well, Kevin, we wish you well on your journey ahead. Kevin Bush, the MD of Grass-Fed Milk, thank you so much for joining us on the Unicorns today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Justin. My pleasure as well.